Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. I mean, it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. So uh, we're we're recording a few days in advance uh, because you are going to go. I believe you're going to apprentice to become a rodeo clown. Is that correct? Uh, I am already a clown. I'm sure if you ask any number of people. So I'm going to a rodeo, and I'm already a clown. So I think that being at the rodeo will make me a rodeo clown, or kind of like an assistant manager versus assistant to the manager. I will be a clown of the rodeo. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and hopefully I will have returned by the time this podcast comes out, or I don't know, something. I'll have gotten hogtied or whatever happens at, at or the you, rodeo. You'll have met up with Kanye and decided you're going to start a new life in Wyoming. Oh yeah, I I had been thinking about that. Like I forgot where that was. That was yeah. You could hang out with Kid Cudi and Travis Scott and whoever. Um, but while I imagine while you're there, you know, you'll need to eat. And uh, if you are going to a restaurant, there's a possibility that you might have the option to eat a sandwich. Uh, I think that might be the only option in Wyoming, actually. Uh, and that makes that makes me think. Uh, it's it's really a, a wonderful time of year for me um, because I am not someone who normally makes sandwiches at home. Uh, but... Right now, I have because Sean. As far as I'm concerned, there are two seasons. You know what those two seasons are? It's either tomato sandwich season or it's not. And right now, it is. And I am in full tomato sandwich season swing. I I am also excited for the tomatoes. I mean, I ate some just just plain like cherry tomatoes uh, around lunchtime today and shared them with with a coworker, which you know that that really takes a lot for me, especially in tomato season. But yeah, you could say it's tomato season, <laughs> but it's about the tomato sandwich, which I I appreciate more and more. Uh, it, it's a very good sandwich, but you said something absolutely wild to me earlier today. Yeah. So and do I need to yeah. do I need to read your quote into the record? Yes, uh, though. No, go ahead and read it. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, give any qualifiers. Uh, so, earlier today, uh, when we were kicking around ideas for what to what to record, uh, you said to me, "Here's a topic for this evening: tomato sandwiches are the most underrated sandwiches." That part I agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the best sandwiches. And now you've lost me. But I do. I want to give you. I want to give you a chance before I systematically dismantle your entire position and really the worldview on the tomato sandwich, I want to give you a chance to defend your ludicrous statement that it is perhaps the best sandwich. So here's the thing that happens when you make a tomato sandwich. When I make a tomato sandwich, I really don't want to speak for anyone else but myself, even though that's what we f- I frequently do here. So I make a tomato sandwich with the bread I make, which is nominally sourdough, uh, so... It's not necessarily sour in the way people think, but it has a it has a kind of not really tanginess, but a saltiness that's that happens to be in bread. And sometimes, depending on the flour, there can be a slight sweetness. Tomato sandwich. Also, the next thing, once you've toasted that bread, there's there's some amount of 
if you're doing it right, Duke's Mayonnaise, which mayonnaise has a tang, and then also uh, the creaminess, you can sense a sweetness. The tomatoes themselves have a tanginess, but depending on your tomato, they also have a sweetness. And you can add basil too, which sometimes, depending on the basil you get, can have the same kind of interaction. Or you can add olive oil, which has, you know, that fat, which can kind of get a little, I don't know if sweet's the right word, but it has a range of flavors and it also has a tanginess. You make it almost a pepper characteristic. And so you're putting these all together and it's so simple and everything kind of has this this yin and yang, this interplay going on around this this tanginess and, and this sweetness. And they all kind of come together as one. And it's a simple sandwich. There's, there's not stuff going everywhere. You don't need protein. You don't need too many condiments. It's just a simple sandwich. So I think for me, the thing I realized with a tomato sandwich, it, it's kind of like a great cocktail that only uses three ingredients as opposed to one with four or five or a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> it is the best with the least going on. I, I mean, all a tomato sandwich really needs is three ingredients, which is bread, which is almost not even an ingredient. It's like ice. Um bread mayonnaise and then the tomatoes and you have a sandwich that isn't that is incredible uh, they're they're it's you're hard to find other sandwiches that only have three ingredients okay so first i need to quibble heavily with your assertion that bread is not even an ingredient or that it's like ice that's bananas the the quality and style of the bread has a huge impact on every sandwich you've ever eaten and every sandwich you will ever eat so long as we both shall live Sure, but bread has to basically be with every sandwich or some kind of bread substitute. It is a bit, it's, that, that's what I'm saying. It's it's almost like a, maybe it's, you're not going to drink a cocktail unless you have a, a some kind of uh, vestibule for it, a, 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 a chalice of some sort. You you must have a container for, for your drink. In this case, the container for your sandwich is your bread. Fine. So now that I've done that, I, I will, I will agree with you on a few things here. There is a great beauty in simplicity in this world. And the tomato sandwich, the humble tomato sandwich, I think is a great expression of that. Your your sandwich doesn't have to be a triple-decker, three-meat, two-cheese extravaganza. And frankly, it doesn't have to have meat or cheese at all. There, There's a, uh, the, the big meat lobby is, is trying to convince you that it's not a sandwich unless it's got meat on it. And, and, and they're wrong. They're trying to convince you that red sauce for pasta is only is only good if it's got ground beef in it. They're wrong. There is very much something to be said for making something work without meat on it. I've had some very good meatless sandwiches. A lot of them have been tomato sandwiches. There, There is something really nice about, I can make this at home, and I can do it very simply without needing, you know, to, to clutter my entire counter with different jars and bottles and utensils. But I'm going to take you through a little thought exercise here and explain why a tomato sandwich cannot be the best sandwich. So <clears throat> let's picture the exact tomato sandwich you've described. It's got sourdough bread, Duke's mayonnaise, and it's got a tomato. Now let's replace that Duke's mayonnaise with a little swipe of pesto or even just some olive oil. Uh, and then let's add to the mix some mozzarella cheese. We can throw the basil in too. I, I think this is a great idea. Now we've made like a caprese sandwich or, or something something approximating that. That is a better sandwich. Let's do another. Let's start again with the same sourdough mayonnaise tomato. Now, we're going to up the degree of difficulty just a little bit. 
We're going to add two things. One, fresh, crisp lettuce. And the second, crunchy, well-cooked bacon. Now you've made the real best sandwich. You made a fucking BLT. I, so I think where I would I would quibble with, with your, your stated sandwiches, which are both excellent sandwiches and still are, are very simple, is – is we're adding stuff on. I, I like the now. I don't make the mayonnaise. I know I could, but if you make mayonnaise, you have to, uh, I don't know, be extra insufferable and start calling it aioli. And we're not here for that. Mayonnaise is as it was intended, which is the the jar with the yellow lid that says Dukes on it. That's that's probably how we should do it. Right. But I I like that uh, the ingredients themselves are are in their their simplest form here and. I buy the tomato, but the other things are just kind of round. When you add in the mozzarella cheese, that's something that I have to buy, and it has to have a purpose, or it's it might have a short shelf life. Um, the pesto, I, I have to make the pesto, or I buy the pesto, which gets expensive. Um, that's not to say it's not a great sandwich, but you, we are adding into we're adding costs and and things to consider. And I think that the adding in the bacon as well. With you go to the BLT route, I've got to make the bacon. And with the lettuce, uh, if you don't use, use lettuce in time, it's 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 potentially problematic. So going back to the tomato sandwich again, I can cut up a whole tomato and basically make a whole sandwich with it or eat the rest of the tomato. Uh, that mayonnaise is going to keep and the bread, I'm probably going to eat all of it quickly enough that, it, that, it's, that it's fine. So what I would say is not to say your sandwiches aren't as good, but I give a lot of credit for the simplicity of that tomato sandwich. See, I think you're I think you're overrating simplicity here. Simplicity is great, but the only way the tomato sandwich can be the best sandwich is if simplicity and minimizing the number of ingredients you have to buy is the overriding criterion for whether or not a sandwich is good. And that's Yeah. That's kind I'm also of wild. thinking maybe I'm also thinking of the everyman and they have and Oh the every person who's eating all those tomato sandwiches? Uh-huh. You want a real every person sandwich that doesn't have a a going bad concern? You really want something that keeps... You know what goes bad really quickly? Tomatoes. You know what doesn't? A big-ass jar of peanut butter. So if you bring in peanut butter and jelly, and the other thing I wanted to say about your choices and the one I've made so far is that these, all of these sandwiches, I know I picked one that couldn't really be anywhere simpler except for the peanut butter and jelly is these are all things you can make at home that has a big that has a lot of sway with me in thinking of what the the best sandwiches are too or what even really constitutes a sandwich an italian sub that i can get at our beloved italian store is still a sandwich but i can't really make that at home and for me my the most enjoyable sandwiches uh, or in, I think of them as sandwiches because I can make them at home. If if I'm getting it from the Italian store or something else, it's it's almost in a different category. It's it's more like a, a treat, something that I go out for, a sub itself. But sure, uh, what I'm trying to focus on here is you mentioned the BLT, your Caprese sandwich, peanut butter jelly, my tomato sandwich. These are things that you can you can put in a lunchbox, basically. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I I will accept that there is there is a point of diminishing returns on additional ingredients in terms of preparing sandwiches at home, and the involved sandwich, you know, the involved subs that we're getting that have multiple meats, possibly multiple cheeses, 
different kinds of peppers, onions sliced so thin you can barely see them. Those those sandwiches are incredible. They taste so fucking good. It, it's almost offensive how good they taste. But I, I'm I'm with you that it, it's hard. It, it is hard to do any sort of sandwich ranking or, or Mount Rushmoreing, which I'm going to attempt to do in a few minutes, without it being something that you can wake up hungover on a Sunday morning. Yeah, maybe that's part of it too, is is what what is a sandwich to me? It's something you can make at home. It's something that not only can could you make it as an adult, you, could you make as an adult, but if you're, I don't know, if you're, uh, if you get, forget to pack your kids' lunch, you can be like, hey, you need to make yourself a blank sandwich. They should be able to make it. Uh, I know some of the ones that, that I like, maybe a kid couldn't make, but I think they could make a tomato sandwich, assuming that I cut the tomato for them because knives are dangerous. I still find them very dangerous. That definitely, that, that's, that's, that's where my head is, is at with that, is, is again, it's, it's something that really anyone can make. Yep, I, I think that, I think that's right, and I think that's the sweet spot here. It doesn't have to be so simplistic that we're saying a sandwich that only has three ingredients is better than a sandwich that has four because it only has three ingredients, but not so complex that you couldn't reasonably deputize a nine-year-old to make it. I think that's really important. You know, I remember making sandwiches at home. It's kind of your first intro yeah, I mean, to cooking. A lot of these yeah. involve no cooking. Or, or to preparing food because you're not really cooking time. a sandwich. It's kitchen time. Right. And that's what I meant. So it's your intro to cooking. You, you get introduced through preparing a sandwich. And the first time you make a sandwich that you take a bite of and go, wow, this is really good. It's kind of like a little magical experience. And and it leads to wonderful things. It leads to being curious about about the food you eat, where the food you eat comes from. It might make you a more discerning grocery shopper. It might get you interested in the idea of, I want this tomato that I put on my sandwich or that I make the star of my sandwich. I want it to be as good as possible. So I'm going to seek out the best tomato I can find. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go to a farmer's market and, and find somebody there who knows tomatoes back and front because they grow tomatoes. And I'm going to ask them questions about when is the right time to get tomatoes? What is the best kind of tomato to put on a sandwich? Like, I, I think that not to put too much weight on the first time you make, you know, a ham and cheese sandwich, but if you well, approach that, it right, it can open a lot of that's doors. That's perfect there. I, that's, that's what I wanted to get to there, which is you mentioned your response to my sandwich was was you wanted to add pesto and you wanted to add mozzarella cheese and that first sandwich thing for a lot of people is some combination of bologna and an american cheese like craft slices and then maybe you have maybe you have mayonnaise on it if if you don't have an aversion to mayonnaise early on and then like french's mustard or something and think at the advance there, which is now we, and a lot of people don't, but we embrace mayonnaise and sometimes call it aioli if you're like pesto aioli or I had something like that recently. Um, and I go after, I just bought gochu, gochugang, uh, the Korean um, paste, but with mustard, in mustard. So I've advanced and I know things like mortadella that I could buy and put on the sandwich and I might put gouda on it instead or or god forbid swiss cheese which i still am not so keen on but sandwiches become this this advancement and you look at where you start and where you end in life and you've gone from wonder bread to sourdough that you make yourself sandwiches are a journey and and i think 
we should conclude that journey. We started talking about the tomato sandwich and whether it was underrated, it is, or whether it's the best sandwich, it's not. And and let's end by, by taking the sandwich knowledge that we've accrued over a combined redacted years of life and i want to share some of my favorite sandwiches and i would love for you to do the same so you want to do this mount rushmore style yeah uh, i i I, so so we're we're doing these by the rules we've created which is which is the best basically sandwiches you can make at home right yes okay okay because there is an actual answer to this question like what are the best sandwiches in the world and they are both in new orleans and we've had both of them together which is a, a po boy <laughs> and a muffaletta sandwich right those are the best sandwiches but those are like those are things i cannot make at home obviously or shouldn't right you you should not stock muffaletta bread and and mortadella and vats of olive salad you'll you'll die yeah, yeah. it's you, you should not you shouldn't be able to have access to that. Oh, that and often. you shouldn't be able to do what they do to to roast to to beef or whatever that becomes just a mess all over not only your table but the table next to you at, at Parkway. <laughs> right? Who has the time besides the people that run these magical establishments? So I'll go first, and, and I, I will claim what I have already suggested is the best sandwich: the BLT, Duke's mayonnaise. Sourdough is great. Toasted white bread is really good, too. Outside of the fact that you have to cook the bacon, it's pretty close to a sandwich made up of its parts in their elemental form. Yeah, and and I would I think that's a really good one. I'm, I'm going to pick a different one. I'm going to actually pick two at once because I've already gone on one of the big ones okay. and give you a chance to also pick two. So I'm not stealing from your Mount Rushmore. But I've got the tomato sandwich, uh, which is great um has a big focal point in harriet the spy which you may or may not be remember and she's i think in some ways ostracized for enjoying a tomato sandwich at a young age ahead of her time clearly uh and another one that i'll pick you mentioned peanut butter and jelly i'm gonna go a little bit different here and i'm gonna go with the peanut butter and banana sandwich it's on the sweeter side it it gets this you know to the salty which i love but gets a, a sweet sandwich in there and bananas uh give a good texture thing okay uh, so I will, I will also, I'll say PB and J. I really do believe that it is one of the best sandwiches we have. And then another sandwich that is a, a favorite of uh, young people, but that more people should continue to enjoy into their older years. It's a simple thing where you take two slices, really of the bread of your choice, and in between them, you place, depending on your taste, anywhere from one to an obscene number of slices of the cheese of your choice. You take that creation and you line the outsides, not with butter, but again, with Duke's mayonnaise. And you put that bitch in a pan, flip it, and you've got yourself a grilled cheese. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's really hard for me to to pick a better one than than the the grilled cheese. Uh, I might I might call a bit of an audible on the grilled cheese and do something that was done at my house when I was growing up, uh, which is a uh, it's akin to a grilled cheese, but it involves the oven because it, it's basically cheese toast. So I'm going to go open faced here. And the way we did that at my house, which was a bunch of cheese 
uh, on top of bread in the oven with uh, also just some some bacon on top. So you had uh, an open face sandwich, and it was called cheese toast, but it was really just a vehicle for cheese and bacon on bread, which is similar to and what like you just did. And like grilled cheese goes great with tomato soup, which I still I I don't understand at twenty six, but at eleven I really loved it. All right, so you've got one more. What is your last sandwich? This is um, this is hard because I I really the sandwiches that I've made for myself over the past X number of years uh, have really just been tomato sandwiches or you know maybe in a struggle I I, I put some stuff together. Um, I I kind of have a a a a fondish memory which I, I might have made up a little bit but it's it's still there is um uh, a tuna melt uh similar to the cheese toast but instead of bacon we've we've got a uh, tuna salad which normally i would i've made myself and it was kind of a struggle sandwich at, at times for me that i've made more recently than i care to <laughs> share but it's got the sweetness, it's got the saltiness, um, and then it's also warm. And with these kind of toasting broiler situations, I think it sticks with the simplicity because um, we didn't talk about anything that, aside from besides your grilled cheese, that really involves a stovetop or, or anything like that. These are real simple sandwiches. In a broiler, you just kind of like look at the thing till it looks melty. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with with two broiler sandwiches and the cheese toast, um, and then the tuna melt. I I'm going to also go with a very simple sandwich to close out, and I'm going to I will also take a slight cop out in that this is a sandwich that is probably better if you can get it from a deli for the the strict reason that you are likely to get a a better quality of this meat if you go to a place to get it toasted rye bread piled very high with pastrami and spicy brown mustard swiss cheese is optional it's not necessary pastrami and mustard on rye is so it's so good the meat is fatty and it gives it some of that you know that that heft and that that creaminess that the cheese would give Uh, i actually really like the sandwich with no cheese um the mustard gives it a tang and a snap and the rye bread has this good kind of herby funk to it ah man i really love that sandwich well on that note uh Go eat sandwiches, people. They're yeah. they're simple, and they will bring you back to your childhood if you need a little nostalgia in dark or, or happy times. Um, and eventually, you might find yourself in the the maybe terrible, maybe great situation of having to make small children sandwiches. Yep, I mean, look, sandwich nostalgia is very powerful. Um, at, when I was uh, home in New Orleans a few a uh, few weeks ago. I had the fortune of, of getting to go to Bon Appetit's best new restaurant in America of 2017, a place called the Turkey and the Wolf, or Turkey and the Wolf, rather. Yeah. Uh, and it's a sandwich joint that is uh, run by a fella from Charlottesville, uh, the descendant of one of the presidents of UVA. And his founding text for, for making what turned out to be one of the best new restaurants in the country uh, is something called the Jefferson sandwich. And it's a a turkey, it's like a turkey, cheese, lettuce, herb, mayo, and cranberry relish 
concoction that comes from the Bel Air Market, which is a gas station deli uh, just outside of Charlottesville. And <clears throat> it's just like that's all the proof you need that sandwiches are wonderful. They don't have to be pretentious and, and have reductions or truffle oil or, or anything like that. They don't have to have... You know, they don't have to be gargantuan He-Man creations with four different kinds of meat and seven cheeses. They just, they can be quality ingredients assembled well by someone who knows what they're doing. And that can be somebody working at Bel Air Market. It can be your dad on a weekend afternoon. But the sandwich, I would posit, is our true universal language. All right. Uh, if you have any thoughts about sandwiches, uh, if you are now listening to this as hungry as I am now recording this, uh, come find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty okay Pod, and uh, tell us about it, and then go get yourself a sandwich. You earned it. All right. Uh, it is time now, as it is every week, for Pierce is Sorry. It's that segment where our friend unburdens himself and clears a tiny fraction of his conscience. What are you apologizing for this week? Well, it has to do with tomatoes, so it's befitting of this podcast. Fantastic. Um, so, Abney, you you gave me a thought experiment earlier when I presented my tomato concoction, my tomato I did. sandwich, um, and I will present this one to you. You uh, you are making. Uh, what is it? Eggs in Purgatory, I think, is the name of the dish, or, or whatever. Maybe you want to call it shakshuka, but uh, this was more the Eggs in Purgatory route, um, <clears throat> which I've made a couple times now and really uh, enjoyed. You are making this. You have your oven on. You have everything ready to go. You realize that you are missing uh, tomatoes. You uh, don't really want to miss anything and you want to keep moving forward so you have four options of places to go for tomatoes there is a lebanese market um there is a 7-eleven there is a rite aid and there is a beer and wine store which one has tomatoes uh now i should say canned tomatoes either of the crushed or whole variety canned tomatoes of the crushed or whole variety i've got a lebanese market i've got 7-Eleven, I've got a Rite Aid, and I've got a beer and wine store. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel reasonably confident that I can rule out the beer and wine store, which I assume means that that is going to be the correct answer. I would say, I would say Rite Aid is probably out as well. And if I'm, if I'm going to flip a coin between the Lebanese market and 7-Eleven for who's got canned tomatoes. I'm actually going to say 7-Eleven. Okay. So, <clears throat> I'm I'm not apologizing for going to running to the Lebanese market, running to 7-Eleven, running to Rite Aid and then defeatedly jogging back to the beer and wine store. I'm even not going to apologize for for doing that in Birkenstocks, which are terrible shoes to be running in, and I got blisters in. I, I'm not even going to apologize for paying seven dollars and fifteen cents 
for a 28 ounce can of tomatoes at the beer and wine store. No, no. I knew it. I knew it. No, no. I say that again. $7.50. That's now, were they Were they the best tomato canned tomatoes I think I've ever had? Yes. Yes, that is true. But I do, I'm never going to do that again still. Um, what I'm sorry for is like I, I miss the rule. I, I write on note cards constantly. I plan this stuff out hours ahead of time. I – in the words of, of 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 Steve Martin in in Thirty Rock, I forgot to count the men, Liz. I forgot to check my ingredients. I I didn't do the one job, which is just to be aware of the situation. I didn't have tomatoes. I failed in my in my job as as someone making something, and that goes back to this this sandwich nostalgia we talked about, which is you can't make your sandwich if you don't have the ingredients, and you need to know your ingredients. So. I, I failed in the lessons that I learned as a, a youngster, which is to know your ingredients. And I paid wow. for it, quite literally. Yeah, you did. Uh, I hope they were really incredible tomatoes. But, man, I knew I knew when you did this, I knew that it was going to be the beer and wine store. Yeah, and, and you, have, you have an awareness of that. I, wa- I went the longest possible way in that loop. With, yes, because, yes, you because did. I mean, I, I mean, I got a workout in. I mean, I was sweating. I mean, just sweating, looking like an idiot running in Birkenstocks with <laughs> a can of tomato that was over $7. I, would, I think that's probably, like, cosmic punishment enough is just, like, knowing for yourself that you had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and and now, now I, like, when I go to the grocery store, I pretty much always buy – this was a couple weeks ago, but I pretty much always buy – uh, a can of uh, whole tomatoes and a can of crushed tomatoes. So I always have at least one. Like I'm sure yeah. of it. That's <laughs> it's kind of how I do the same thing, but with getting to the airport on time. Because mm-hmm. uh, once once you fuck that up once, it becomes your your overriding. It becomes your true biological purpose. Uh, it is never never missing a flight again. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll close out the pod this week with a big idea from pop culture, and and I'm going to go back to uh, I believe two weeks ago when we talked about LeBron James. No, that's three weeks ago. LeBron's a Laker now, which means uh, one that he is going to summer league in uh, $500 shorts, apparently, uh, which is something I didn't know existed. Nah, they were uh, cool shorts. They they really were, uh, but two. It means that he is on a team with a fellow named Lonzo Ball. And that means that LeBron James, one of the most respected, thoughtful, when he speaks it means something, players that we have in the league right now. And and really, a guy who is working himself into, I think, into the pantheon of basketball, player, basketball players and athletes in general who have something to say that's worth listening to. Willie Loman would say he's well liked. I think he would he would agree sure. that he's not just liked, he is well liked. So that means that this person, this well respected, thoughtful person, is now in the orbit of one of the least respected, least thoughtful, every time he opens his mouth it doesn't mean a fucking thing, people Lavar Ball. Though though we are we are running heavy on, on those types at the moment, so he's it's a stiff competition, I think. I, I I know he he is a distinguished competitor. <laughs> distinguished, I see our distinguished competitors. 
This is uh, a house of learned doctors. So I watched, so I watched he, Step Brothers last night. I, I, I take it that he he did something, though. Uh, he, well, uh, no, because LeVar Ball never does something. He he says something, yeah. and he said something. Uh, now, LeVar Ball played college basketball. This is one of the things that he has done in life that LeBron James has not done. It's uh, fair. However, uh, he, not that this is a, an appropriate measure of whether you were a good player, but he averaged less than three points a game. Uh, he, he was bad. He was not good. We've all seen the video of him playing rec league basketball and just being a total klutz, like like a gawky 13-year-old that hit a growth spurt level of awkward body control. Uh, but he said that uh, he could beat LeBron James in one-on-one basketball. And this is what he said. Too weak. That's right. He said somebody who is six foot nine and weighs about 270 pounds and is nothing but muscle and power and explosiveness is too weak. Uh, back in my heyday, can't nobody hold me. 270, benching 500, all I got to do is back you in and I'll lift all of them up off their feet. I don't need no video. You want to see me back in the heyday? I was a bad mama jamma. My will to win was too hard. One on one, I bet on myself all day. Wait, so so he not only did he say that he was two seventy, which I don't know how tall he is, but maybe he's two seventy. No, no, no. He, now. he's talking about LeBron. Oh, okay, but but okay, then Lavar said he could bench how much? Five hundred pounds. Oh, 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 I. I I'm gonna quibble with that. That seems unlikely, but LeBron is uh, LeBron is very strong. Oh, I'm saying I'm saying I thought Lavar said he no could no bench he's 500 he's pounds. saying LeBron is se- uh, 270 can bench 500. It does, but it doesn't matter. All I got to do is back you in. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. No, again, Lavar. I don't I don't think that's how it works. I'm doing close reads of Lavar Ball statements. God damn it! What are we doing? I mean, you you introduced this. We didn't I know have it was my talk. idea. Look, I, I will say this, though. I cannot wait for this to become a regular thing where LeVar Ball says dumb shit about LeBron, and we wait to see how long it takes before the true GM of the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron Raymond James Sr., uh, trades Lonzo Ball to the Sacramento Kings for one-and-a-half second-round picks just to get his dad the fuck out of L.A. I will be glad when he finds some Eastern European nation to take his two kids who are not playing real. Uh, I take that back. They created their own. They literally created their own basketball league so that they could play professional ball here. So, uh, gosh, inescapable, inescapable. And we're letting them win by talking about them. It is a shame because on the one hand, like I, I actually do wish we could talk about LeVar Ball as an innovator who is a surprisingly gifted entrepreneur trying to look out for his sons and to, you know, and to keep them out of an environment where they're being preyed on by a predatory organization, the NCAA. But he has to be who he is, and so I can't enjoy this at all. Yep. I'm sure the Lakers will, will be great and will have no chemistry problems at all. No. Because they have Josh Hart, who's who's well-liked, actually. There you go. All right. That is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at PrettyOKPod and at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com. While you're there, you can get every episode of our show as well as some writings. We've got music writing. We've got food writing. We're actually due for some more food writing. Uh, uh, nudge, yeah. nudge. Um and some, you know, some perspectives on life that I think are, are pretty neat and, and maybe worth a few minutes of your time. 
if you're focused on the podcast and you're on the go, you're not really tethered to a computer to have a you know big screen for reading, that's cool. Head to your podcatcher of choice and subscribe to our feed. Episodes will show up every Tuesday like clockwork without you having to go track us down. If you do that, please do us a huge favor. Leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or find a friend who you think might be interested in what we do and tell them about the show. We will be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. And Pierce will have had some time to tell us all about the rodeo. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm too. Hopefully no one beats me up for being a coastal leader. There you go. Until then, safe travels. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening. Bye. Go on too long, would you meet me?